Marco and Dave and I were hanging out the other day, and uh, while we were socially distancing from ourselves in a park, and we thought of the funniest bit, <laughs> and I, I keep forgetting to tell you about it, um, but it would totally float your boat. It's like, apparently, allegedly, like, Patrick Stewart is really cheeky uh, when he's a little bit tipsy and a little drunkish uh, when, he, when, he's, uh, when he's had a couple. And him and his wife will like take cabs and like they'll take like Ubers back to wherever they're staying and things. And it's like it would be so cool if like there was a podcast where it's just um, it's like taxi cab confessions, but it's like (laughs) Patrick Stewart confessions where like it's. You know, he picks someone or, you know, someone picks him and his wife up and Patrick Stewart is kind of like kind of he's tossed a couple and it's just him just talking to the driver. And that's the podcast, like like thinking of like all of the the broad natures of conversation and, uh, you know, he'd be talking about pooches and writing uh, sonnets but he'd also click into Jean-Luc Picard occasionally where he'd be like <laughs> giving direction so he's like number one take lane two right turn the Kahu lane is much faster yeah. <laughs> oh, speed ahead engage <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny. Well, I love too the idea is that he's this podcast is like following all these different taxi cab drivers that pick up that just yeah, so Patrick Stewart. Patrick totally. Stewart. <laughs> it's not following Patrick Stewart. It's just like today we have, you know, uh Ralph Ralph who's a what's it? And he's picking up Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Engage. Just- I'm kidding. <laughs> Or like he's reciting like sonnets in the back seat, just drunk and getting them all wrong. Yeah, he's you know, like, like what uh, two for Sue uh, uh, lounging in the lavender? Yeah, well, at least it sounds like he's slurring. But you you have to remember that Shakespearean sometimes he would just leave out um, he would leave out consonants and just put an apostrophe. So are there for hour and hour? Yeah, that's like the ultimate, you know, shorthand. Like, I don't even have the time to write the rest of the word. I just want a dot, or there's a V. (laughs) Story of my life, man. Apostrophe. Oh, there. I kept thinking today how much, like when I was watching The Conjuring, how, like, Color Out of Space is one of the only good, like, haunted house type movies. Have either of you guys seen that yet? Yeah. No, I still have not. Fuck. That's interesting. Okay, I'll watch it soon. It's so fucking I think bonkers. it's on, what, Hoopla oh, no. uh, through uh, the library? I was thinking of I, think I have no I idea. I think uh, it's part of the production company that eventually everything goes to Shutter. So it might be on Shutter by now. Hmm. Um, certainly hope so. But, man, yeah. that movie is fucking bananas you can uh, at least rent it for three bucks on amazon uh, it's pretty fun dollars. yeah it's wow pretty fun. you know what was semi-fun hmm. yeah i guess we should talk about it guess ah it's it. why we're here let's conjure it, it. Why we're here you know it's, it's almost um, like god 
brought us together. Well, I think like more Lorraine importantly, it's said. that love lift us up where we belong. But yes, like um, Lorraine said, yes, that those dude, their lines sometimes between each other are so cliche. Like, no, in, I don't want you like, to get hurt. I oh, won't. Man, I won't leave. The sexual you. chemistry, like the tension. <laughs> Dude, it just, I've never like, seen two actors so with bad. less chemistry. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. It's, it was super weird. It's not convincing. Enough. It was like coneheads. You know? It, like Them delivering those lines like, I won't want you here. I don't want you getting hurt. I'm coming with you. Like that kind of bullshit dialogue. It They just don't sell it. <laughs> it was like they both read the script and were like, I, this is too cliche guy like we can't they're like just uh, do it please we wrote this like we need you to say these lines and like okay how only you her, her, her only kind of function like the thing that bothered me the most about her was that she was like all of her dialogue was exposition and uh-huh. so she's like do you remember 14 years ago this thing that's super important that's gonna play a big role later in the movie and this is what's going on right now like it's everything is kind of i think that's part of why i don't think the movie works as well uh the emotional crux isn't placed on the family in peril it's put on the warrens and like there's no chemistry there and everything is about their love and their situation when they're not really in the heart of the conflict and so like as an audience member you're like a degree or two removed and so you're like well why the fuck do i care about these people they're not the warts like you know they'll become the solution though at least like because they yeah. set them up in the beginning as like here are the warrens talking to like one of their previous clients who were you know terrorized by annabelle the doll mm-hmm. uh, yeah but i mean it's which kind is of the inception of annabelle there but it's kind of like the same exact movie as Insidious, though, where like the whole narrative changes halfway through. Like for the beginning yeah. of the movie, you're kind of like, OK, we're with this family. And, you know, I don't know any of them because there's eight kids that all look the exact same that I'm supposed Dude, to care about. Yeah. You know, know and I'm like, I have no idea. I'm losing track of there's who's Nancy. Who. Yeah. I know there's Cindy, who is played by Mackenzie Foy, who plays Murph in Interstellar. Oh, shoot. That's Murph. Good. Yeah, Crazy. but I, ke- I kept huh. trying to look for her when I saw that, when I read that online. And I was like, I all these kids look the same. I can't tell which one's Cindy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one's Mackenzie. What Ford. a stellar observation. Hey. God damn it. Um, Murph. <laughs> Come on, Murph. Come on. Come on, Murph. The universe is infinite, Murph. <laughs> don't make me leave. Don't make me leave, Murph. Don't leave. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, this the conjuring, the conjuring. A well, I think in terms of Insidious being like uh, James Wan's first good horror film, like good enough horror film, um, being done on such a low budget, which kind of set him in, I'm sure, in the Hollywood scene is like, hey, this guy could for one make a compelling enough story that isn't like cliche horror with jump scares and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he can make us money because he's able, him and his team are able to do all of this amazing visual and like, you know, design all these effects and whatnot with a minimal budget. Let's give him 20 million for this next 
haunted movie. He gave us a good haunted movie before, like a spooky ghost story. Let's see what he does with more money. And um, it's basically kind of just it's insidious again, but but um, with diminished with returns. Budget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's kind of like Evil Dead Two, where it's like he gets another crack at it. <laughs> Except if uh, Evil Dead Two was tired and doesn't <laughs> try new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with a family that, mind you, the other family did try to get away by moving out. In this mm-hmm. case, it's just brought up by um, Patrick Wilson's character. Be like, why didn't you think of moving out? And they're like, well, where would we go? Mm-hmm. and then they just leave it they're like okay good we got that out of the way they, well by uh set in stone not gonna move Bye. the lady uh the therapist from the departed uh does say me. yeah Whatever. um he's like oh it's attached to the mom like it'll oh, follow well, them wherever true. they go well sort of like an insidious where yeah it's, it's like fucking literally insidious it's just yeah. insidious with a more cliche Hollywood script and, and uh, a lot more jump scares and it's a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. I think the production is just a lot more like loud. Like the whole movie is a lot louder. I, I just feel like it's, it's, it's the, uh, like it's the Danny DeVito to the Arnold Schwarzenegger character in twins were like <laughs> insidious. Like the things that I really dug about insidious were like the things Small that stature. I, like that they did opposite in um, the conjuring where, whereas there were some like kind of interesting things going on and interesting concepts and going in different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, the conjuring, like it, it never ceased to do, uh, you know, like explaining all the ghosts stuff. Like, whereas an in insidious, mm-hmm. I like that. I didn't know this family, this eerie, all these weird visuals. I don't know who Danzig the bouncer is like, I don't want to know who they are. That's not, that's going to, I don't know, like not support, you know, that kind of story part. It doesn't you know? matter. It's almost yeah, it it's, spookier if you don't know. It's like hallucinatory. Yeah, exactly. Like the idea that uh-huh. it's like a lucid dream or that you're in an astral projected, like new dimension is kind of like fascinating and scary. But here it's like, oh, this, this whole land is cursed and this is exactly who this person is. And oh, they, this other person committed suicide here and this is what they did. And it, it just like, it, it took all the power away from like, I don't kind of want to know who these other ghosts are. Like you explaining all these like fun scares you're trying to do with multiple characters as opposed to like the main, you know, mm-hmm. evil witch and stuff. It just diluted a lot of the, the stuff that I really enjoyed about Insidious. I think this is a really interesting moment in James Wan's career because this is when he goes from uh, working pretty much solely with Lee Whannell and always kind of devising projects they can do together to his first solo project. I believe, is this his first one? Um, it's it's is, his first It's, it's his, his first one without Lee Whannell. Yes, yeah. and it's also yeah. one of the first films that really feels like it's attempting to hew to a more traditional Hollywood genre film, where yeah. one of the things we've discussed yeah. previously is how he deconstructs genre and does like sort of zigs where the audience expects him to zag. And mm-hmm. 
now that we're seeing one without 1L, I'm wondering how much of that is actually 1L's doing, because a lot of it is on the story and script level. Um, but it's it's interesting because from here on out, the rest of Juan's filmography is sequels to franchises, two that he started. Uh, we've got Insidious 2 and The Conjuring 2, and then two that he is just brought on as a gun for hire, uh, Fast and Furious 7 and Aquaman. And so I think from here on out, it's going to be interesting to see what we think in terms of the creative choices and what he's doing because he's getting bigger budgets, but I think this movie is much less satisfying than almost anything we've seen so far. Well, I think that it's also, uh, he's the go-to guy for, um, okay, uh, a filmmaker that we can entrust uh, something to. He'll be able to make it uh, within the budget. He'll be able to like deliver it on time. He'll be able to add his own voice and flavor to things. Like, um, yeah. I think that he's just his prowess is known for being just a tight filmmaker, like kind of a neutral, like, um, like a neutral Zack uh, Snyder. Uh, where, you know, it's a lot of stylistic choices and things, but he doesn't need, you know, $300 million to make a movie. You know, you have him on the cheap and his return is insane. Like um, this had a $20 million um, budget and it grossed, I don't know if it's international, maybe it is, it's uh, $319 million. So, I mean, it was a huge hit. And this is like, what, the third or maybe the second consecutive, like kind of slam dunk um especially for warner brothers um this before... is the second in a row of big hits because insidious was big but uh yeah. dead, dead silence, silence? And... dead silence and death sentences were both flops uh yeah definitely um <laughs> yeah that's... but it's this is the second as we mentioned in the first episode he is responsible for the two most profitable franchises of the new millennium mm-hmm. uh we it's this and Saw, which is crazy because they're kind of polar opposites, but uh, not great. Yeah, and I mean, um, it's interesting. Um, one of the producers had been trying to make this movie for, for a little bit of time uh, and just wasn't getting, uh, you know, anything done. And I think that it was uh, just stuck in kind of like a weird limbo um, but, uh, before it was, uh, you know, they had a couple of people, uh, come on, uh, Chad and, and Carrie Hayes, who are these twin yeah. brothers, uh, you know, writing partners, uh, that had also done, um, that house of wax remake. Yeah. And um, reaping. yeah with, with Hillary Swank. Did you ever see that? I never actually did. It's like, it's it bad with a capital B, but also bad, like. <laughs> Michael Jackson bat. Well, that's a bad. Never mind. Never mind the Michael Jackson Bullocks. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ch- Chad and Carrie uh, were brought on to kind of like refine the script, and they mm-hmm. shifted a lot of things around. Where uh, I think um, once you know uh, Juan kind of got on board in 2012. Um, he, a lot more emphasis was put on the Warrens, uh, what rather than the Perrons, uh, who, who are the, the actual family, um, to kind of separate it from more of like an Amityville horror, uh, kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it was like in a kind of weird bidding war um, uh, with a lot of studios trying to make it because it was kind of getting getting some buzz uh, with all the enthusiasm behind it as well. But then didn't that fall through? Uh, like, I thought there was a different studio that had it at one point. Let me see if I can find that. Um, yeah, uh, it was New Line that was supposed to have it. Or no, Summit. Well, I think Summit yeah, had Summit. it. Yeah, uh, then because New they, Line uh, produced it. Yeah, uh, but they couldn't agree with uh, the producer on things, and so they, it they went wanted into sparkles on the. They wanted sparkles on Bathsheba. With one of the issues I have with this movie is uh, it's based off of the stories of the Warrens, who also wrote the supposedly true stories about Amity Bill Horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, haunting in Connecticut and some of those. Uh, and the less funny real life situation is, I think it was haunting in Connecticut. The family later sued them because the person wasn't possessed. They were mentally ill and ended up killing themselves. Yeah. Uh, which is why, like part of why this movie leaves such a bad taste in my mouth because they portray these people who have, time and again have been shown to be kind of grifters as heroes who are doing the right thing and using the catholic church kind of to to their means well they Mm -hmm. even they look like superheroes this is like a horror superhero movie of like god is the ultimate savior uh superman you know and they're kind of these disciples where they're painted in the best light possible of like oh of course Lorraine uh, supports Ed and Ed is the sweetest guy and doesn't, you know, allegedly, you know, uh, slapper and, and, you know, it's like, you know, they, they claim to be mediums and not to besmirch them and everything, but I think it was even the family uh, based on the true story for this movie, where they said this whole thing was made up, like nothing happened at the house, mm-hmm. you know, it's all bullshit. So the idea that um, they've made so much money off of just being like con artists is kind of strange, especially uh, in the real life, like context where it's just like the Mothman prophecies or Chronicles or whatever, where it's this weird paranormal um, love is just has resurfaced. And especially in this time period um, that this came out, there was like all those like ghost hunter shows on like the travel Mm -hmm. channel and all that stuff. And I remember there was one called Paranormal State, which was super dumb, but it was like Penn State had like a paranormal program or something. And they would like go and do investigations and, um, you know, looking into like a prison and oh, we, we caught an EVP. Um, but I remember Lorraine Warren would be on there and it was so strange seeing her as like a guest investigator or whatever, um, because, you know, she's claimed to be a medium and has you know just a lot of that stuff like spiritually has a lot of impact on a lot of people who are vulnerable to um you know being manipulated or i don't know i, I don't mean to shit on yeah. lorraine War- lorraine and ed but it's just it's strange just seeing uh you know her resurface in this kind of like saintly role and she even has a um, cameo in the movie too, which granted Ed is dead. Like, I think he died like in the mid two thousands, but yeah, it, it just yeah, seems super masturbatory for lack of a better term and not to put a 
visual and be you know disrespectful <laughs> one of the things that works so well in insidious is it pairs it down to the bone uh like in terms of characters we care about and gives the film time to get introduce us to everyone and build the relationship here we're splitting between ed and lorraine and then the family and the family is the one in peril and they're the ones where we should ideally be building a relationship and becoming worried about them as things get worse and worse but they have so many kids that it's hard to keep track of them let alone really care about them uh they have uh the guy from office space who ron livingston is great but uh he just he gets what like a couple scenes where we get to know who he is we don't know that much about his character i think that's part of it though like he was a truck driver and so Mm -hmm. he would like work all the time so it's kind of like he's exhausted and has his family going through this stuff and that that dynamic between him and his wife was different than the insidious family where you felt kind of a different connection but Mm -hmm. even like uh, you were talking about how uh, the Warrens were in the context of this movie are searching for rational explanations to things and trying to rule so many things out of like, Oh, the, that wind is whistling through the glass. That's not, you know, a ghost or something, but it's like, I think when Lorraine, uh, when they meet um, the family and uh, uh, Lily um, Taylor, uh, who plays the mom in the movie has like bruises on her neck and her arms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not asking any question that like, not that they would be mandatory reporters, but just as human beings, like they're not going like, Hey, are you okay? Like they're not like trauma informed. They're just like, Oh, the ghost did that too. You know, like they're not, they're immediately jumping to that conclusion without thinking of like the context of the seventies of like, I think that could have played out in an interesting way as well. It just felt like an undercooked, part of the movie and just undermined their whole characters you know that okay they're not they're they are will fall for whatever or they'll go along with whatever i totally didn't even think about that uh like honestly it's like uh, that could have also been interpreted as like a domestic abuse thing i didn't even go in i didn't go even go into the (laughs) fart allegory that i uh you know (laughs) that i created for this whole movie but um, yeah, I mean, but I feel like that's even kind of one of the more dumb things about this movie is like, it's beautiful, gorgeous uh, house, like a, with like a Philadelphia style house. It's, it's supposed yeah. to take place in Rhode Island, but it's clearly shot in North Carolina. Um, like, it looks <laughs> like it's shot at a plantation house in the worst yeah. way, like, which was another set of weirdness. But um Again, you never uh, see black ghosts so you never hear stories about black ghosts so. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that the other day is how fucking crazy would it be if like i'm jewish if there was like randomly this like super anti-semitic ghost that not only haunted me and creeped me out but also like yelled you know all this like racist shit that is a movie waiting to be made the you only know, like how creepy would that be the Am only black sure? ghost movie i can think of is beloved which I haven't seen the movie, oh. but I've read the book. Yeah, the, I was gonna say, isn't that a the um, Tony Morrison? Yeah. yeah, and that that if it's anything like the book is not really scary. It's more just super well, no, sad. That's supposed, well, there's also uh, the, yeah, yeah there's Tony also writing a horror haunting film. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, gosh, I forgot well, all Jonathan about that. That's Demi a beautiful made book. it too. Uh, 
it's supposed to be kind of a misfire, which, I mean, that's a hard source material to bring to light. I mean, uh, like Steven Spielberg trying to bring the color purple to light? Or Amistad? Yeah. Or Amistad. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously, a white person telling other people's stories isn't ever great, but I mean... Beyond that, a man telling the story of, like, the grief of a mother dealing with her dead kid is not necessarily... Like, Jonathan Demme is a very humanistic filmmaker, and, Mm -hmm. like, if any white guy could do it, it would be him. But it's just one of those things where, like, the 90s were a fucking different time. I mean, like the talking, the, the talking heads, uh, stop making sense movie is one of the best white funk, you know, like records and live movie concerts ever. Like the toe with the Toto band or whatever, like the, the bassist, uh, during that, that set is in like, they're just so funky, you know, David and mm-hmm. Byrne is going crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Yeah. Like, I, but sorry, oh, sorry, God, we have to go like, back to the conjuring. No, uh, the house no, so, is on, like, so he, you're right. It has, like, that plantation no, vibe. But, I mean, it even does the more annoying thing, and it's just so, like, lazy, is, like, oh, the house is literally beautiful on the outside, but when you go inside, it's almost, like, molding and decrepit and, like, it's uncared for. And it's kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah. that's kind of like our family is, like, maybe it looks good on the outside, or to some people, or maybe to someone's perspective, but maybe with my husband gone all the time and I have 30 kids, I'm exhausted. I'm depressed. It's kind of like yeah. a really powerful movie about um, just something, I guess. Uh, it, spooks now, and, it, and goblins. and Yeah, isn't it now, though, he's like at home, like his, his like the situation with his job is like, yeah, he on the fence or something like that? Like something yeah, about he thing. only I, does one gig. Uh, because and I think they're in trouble. Uh, yeah, he he gets back and everybody's screaming, and then the rest of the time he's home. Oh, that's uh, one of the best scenes in the movie too. Is like just thinking of how scary it would be if you came home to like the house is like in disarray. Your kids are screaming. You know, like yeah, and your house... wife's like stuck behind the door, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. like yeah. screaming for help. Yeah, that that <sighs> one was definitely like I feel like this movie. As much as I think Insidious does a better job of being spooky and scary, uh, this one is a little bit more, was a little bit more visceral for me. Like I was biting my pen a bit more or like just, just the pace of it was at such a point where I, I mean, I don't know that the, the scares definitely, or should I say oh, yeah. the startles definitely mm-hmm. got me a little bit more in this movie. I think cause there's more of them, but um also, maybe in like the the simple, the simplistic sort of scaring ways, there were a lot more jump scares in this one, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're behind the mirror. Yeah, I see. Uh, I I just hate that shit. Uh, yeah, and one of the things I like me. about <laughs> one of the things I liked about Insidious is how it plays against type with that, where this movie totally leans into the jump scares and yeah, just like feeling like you've got to have a scare every seven minutes. Uh, sort of deal like i will admit the third act has some effective moments like the actual exorcism yeah. scene oh yeah there's some cool pretty. shit stands out uh, stands yeah. out like crazy but like, was she like 
like pukes blood through the sheet uh-huh. that was definitely like oh fuck Woo. but there there's even like a lot of really subtle creepy scares like um you know they do the jackie chan thing where they, there's all these great setups of like let's play hide and clap and you're mm-hmm. like, oh my god, that's gonna scare the shit out of me at some point in this movie. Someone's gonna clap yeah, exactly. at someone, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you're, it's just it, they're setting up all these interesting things. And really, like that hide and clap game has some of the most, like this movie's not. It's not that it startles you or like makes you jump like every second, but it's yeah. like this sense of like eeriness. And I, I feel like this is a lot like yeah. um, where James Wan's love of Jaws is where it's all these empty spaces, you know, you're almost being watched and the way the camera kind of glides occasionally. um, It's like you're, you know, you're in this habitat that's not your own and it's vast and it's mysterious and there's a monster in there. And it's, it's just like with jaws, you don't really see jaws often or the shark often, but when you do, it stands out. And this movie is kind of like that in that way where you're kind of, uh, dreading the negative space more than um, you know you don't feel safe whether it's the daytime um, whether you're with someone in the room like with the two children uh, it's another yeah, great scene in the in the listening. bedroom together yeah like that's that reminds me of like childhood of like being terrified to pee it you know in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and then running yeah. to the bathroom and running back um, like he kept he captures these really evocative like nostalgic like cue like you feel all of the perspectives of how kind of scary would be realistically yeah i think like they do a really good job um in the beginning of the setup like not the very beginning uh but when you're first introduced to the um the parent family Uh like where it establishes the like they're entering this house that is possessed and it's not their territory because the camera is watching them from inside and kind of slowly mm-hmm. going towards the window and then following them as they get to the front door through the other windows. Yeah, it's, the, it's the home alone get uh, long take. Well, one of the things <laughs> like that's always great to do because it establishes space in yeah. like cinematic terms because, you know, a lot of times the actual rooms are different sets that aren't next to each other. But yeah. when the camera what, what, can what? flow, yeah. Um, but if you can get the camera to flow through it, sort of convinces or like switches a flip in your brain, and you're like, okay, I kind of know where the kids' room is in relationship to the kitchen and things. So later yeah. on, when that's important, you know how far they Same are like from with the each basement other. Yeah. in each floor. Yeah, yeah. I, I also mean it in the sense that like that shot in particular was as if it, the demons were watching them from the inside of the house mm-hmm. as this new family is getting out of their car and coming up to the house. Like, well, I mean, it's almost like, like the... how the shot is, is just, it was kind of like, like, Ooh, I'm watching you as welcome to our new house. You weirdos. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, um, it's almost like the house is a store. I think it was really cool. Dirty fart. It's like a big witch's <laughs> fart in there. Fart. That's eroding and rotting the entire house from the inside out. That you feel mm-hmm. kind of suffocated, I mean, like you're, and and it's like they established that definitely. Oh, totally. I mean, there's rotting smells everywhere, and randomly it revolves around the bathroom, and there's just there. I'm writing my thesis, but, um, <laughs> but th- this movie, it's like they do such a good job of kind of feeling oppressed in your own home, and feeling yeah, there's a presence um, always like unwelcome. Like if you moved into a house yeah. and like 
it seemed like they had gotten this house really cheap. And I'm guessing, like, I think maybe that's one of the, uh, you know, plot beats was uh, they got it cheap because they weren't told, you know, the history of the house. Um, yeah, they just bought it because they, yeah, like it's not required by law or something. And, um, and so like, he's not only working super hard, you know, they're being terrorized. It just sets up this feeling of like unwelcome of like, not only is moving scary is like, you know, all of these having 80 kids is scary, but now it's literally, you know, uh, yeah, it's just, it's such an, inter- there's a couple of just interesting little, little things about that. Yeah. And to uh, go back to sort of what Paco was mentioning about like the camera movements, um, kind of establishing the space within the house. I feel like they do a good job of, of representing the space in the house. Like, when they're first moving in, I just remember there being a lot of shots of like slowly panning into a bedroom or like down a hallway to kind of like mm-hmm. feel the space out and where you would imagine this is this is being shot inside a house uh, as opposed to just multiple sets and stuff like that. So I, I, I feel that's where I honestly think the, the cinematographer is really, really good at this. And he does a great job throughout the film of making this sort of eerie, slow presence Um uh, this like possession in the house where the way he moves the camera throughout the house is if is as if it's a ghost or something like, like from it's the not there. Perspective, like it's, it's not there. Like it's some weird presence that is spying on everybody and you get to be introduced to everybody, but it's not, it's not just a, like, it's not for like just visual effect. It's to kind of establish like this place is a haunted and has a certain presence to it that is watching and spying on these people and is eventually going to, you know, attack them. He uses that motif elsewhere, like yeah. in the room with all the haunted shit, he'll do like a POV and then it'll turn out. It's from the little girl. Um, mm-hmm. And there's one time in the basement where I think it's Lorraine's POV but at first it feels kind of supernatural before it's revealed yeah. it's her. Uh, um, and like, it's, it's effectively creepy, but I mean, like, it feels, there's no, it feels soulless. There's no emotional heart. But I, 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 I kind of like that. Like it, I mean, yeah, it feels, movie, sure. it feels really mm-hmm. intrusive. Like when you do encounter yeah. um, Bathsheba or, um, like Rory in the box or, you know, like they do these extreme close-ups where it just goes back and forth. And then the, you know, ghost or whatever is right behind Like it's an extreme close-up of the two yeah, actors the super right close. There. And they did the same thing in the, with insidious with the, the Darth Maul reveal at the end. But yeah. like, it, it's just, Lipstick it's, face. it's the ghosts are breathing down your neck. Like you're, you're literally bent out of shape because you're, you're being held down and it's like those extreme close-ups are so like they're not scary like i'm gonna sleep with one eye open tonight but it's it's like it's spooky it's just eerie um because it it, 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 yeah feel that palpable kind of dead energy that you know that fart energy i just don't feel like it's as eerie like i feel like we've seen the climactic exorcism scene 20 times by now Whereas, like, in yeah. Insidious, because they were hamstrung by their budget, they had to get a lot more creative. And we get the... Uh, Shoot in the dark with flashlights. <laughs> well, no, they they do yeah. the... Uh, what's the name of the other realm? Uh, the Further. The Further. 
Yeah, they the do edge. the further for the third act, which is atmospheric. It's creepy and it's original. It's very different. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. very original. It's, it's something like, I was not expecting it. Yeah. It's like um, the Constantine, like the Keanu Reeves, like hell or the, you know, that interworld thing where it's like, it's super like between it's like nothing. It's like a weird realm that even like, it doesn't make sense. It's like the Beetlejuice sandworm realm. Like it's, it's yes. very existence is kind of creepy. Uh, it, it doesn't need to be explained or how big it is or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's um, cool to not to to subtly set it up but not set it up in such a way that you would know what it is by the time you get there with something like the further it's you drop in and for me immediately i was like oh wow this has that like i mentioned in last episode like this has that weird like dark bioshocky vibe to it that is just so it's also dreamlike where you're not you can't quite see everybody's face unless you get close enough Mm-hmm. to and like the light kind of follows him and the rest of the space is just this really really dark like this really dark space um yeah but then, and like but then the, in the this warrens movie, are the warrens are always dressed in like nice starched clothes and like perfect yeah. you know direct you know key lighting looking beautiful they and seem then there's like everything they're, else they're waspy they're a bit, yeah mm-hmm. well yeah they're at least wazzy yeah. Uh, what was that? A white Anglo-Saxon. I'm not sure they're waspy because if they're working with oh, the Catholic oh, Church, okay. yeah, they're not. The, the P true. is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they're waspy. <laughs> they're definitely waspy. Um, I want to say before we before we get along too, I want to give a shout out to the sound department in this movie. I watched this with headphones on, and I have to say that the sound mixing for this movie is pretty fucking stellar. Like, um, there is always a really, really, I keep using this word a lot, but I love it, uh, visceral sort of um, stereo spectrum within the whole movie. Like, each each place you're going through, especially, like, in, I think it's the scene where the mom's trying to figure out where this knocking is coming from, and, like, where the doors are opening and closing, the Mm -hmm. sound comes from that space and far away. It's not like all in one encapsulation like i heard it in my left ear like the shutting over uh to the left or like down the distance like just partially to the right like they they did a really good job of panning things and actually like making the sound sound like it's in a space and they also do it in it's quite possible just because you know they would film it in different spaces but like in the scene where um Lorraine crawls into that little like crawl space in the wall. Um, there is a, you can hear the sound difference between when the scene is in the bedroom and they're like trying to like hand her some things and whatnot. And then it goes to her in the wall. It's like all kind of muffled in there. Like you're with her. You can just feel and hear the sound kind of compress that. And I thought like um, the soundtrack, it, there was like that's there's some silly moments, but I, I thought the uh, composer, himself does a which he goes on you know he did insidious and he goes on to do a the other like all the conjuring movies and all the insidious movies has he has a really good like he had it's like he understands that particular sound of just spookiness where there are many moments within the movie that where there is no score it's that's kind of the importance of this makes the scene even more spooky because it's because there is nothing there to tie you to the emotions behind the scene. 
Um, so it's kind of left to your own devices. But when he does, there's a lot of just like just subtle little string and eerie things that happen. Granted, in this one compared to Insidious, this one they do a lot more of the <laughs> like well, in well, a spooky, I, I, spooky way. I think it's also has to do with uh, the idea of like being strangled, uh, not being able to breathe. It's they use sound almost in a way of like, if there's any sound whatsoever, it's kind of like um, an oasis of sorts because it's, it feels like you're being strangled. Like, uh, you know, there's a couple of characters that, you know, hang themselves in the movie. So it's, it's Mm -hmm. kind of, it's almost haunting you orally or, I don't know if I'm using that, that correctly. Like no, orally with your yes. AU. Orally. Yeah. yeah. Orally. Orally. Totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally orally. It's oh, totally orally. Jim Boy. Totally orally. Uh, Laddie Jim Boy. Laddie Jim Boy. Eleven oh, Z's today. Uh, either way. So I, I, I thought that was really interesting because it, it's just, there's a lot of like subtle little things in this movie that are really like smart and, and, really slick like this looks like a polished horror movie in a way that is like this studio horror movie like exactly feels like like, it has no soul it's just but it's it's (laughs) yeah you could definitely it's well crafted but it's it's predictable uh it's it's, true it's tedious it's something we've all seen a hundred times before but again, I, I think it's just an excuse for like James Wan to work on things that he really dug about his last movie and then uh, improve upon them here. It just seems like, okay, I really want to do this thing where, you know, the whole there's an exorcism and then the camera shifts and now she's on the ceiling and there's blood through the sheet. And like, I feel like they did so much good stuff with like atmosphere, like there's someone behind the door or like the hide and clap game. Like there's, there's all sorts of um, when the mom gets caught in the basement, um, uh, you know, during like that brings back probably the, the, the only good thing I'll say about M night Shyamalan uh, on the record is like in the sixth sense, when Haley Joel Osment gets trapped in like, he's at like a birthday party or something and he gets locked in a cabinet. Um, and he's, he's like terrified and he's the person who's speaking the ghost or whatever that you don't see, uh, is like kind of just intense and angry and like you feel super scared and they do kind of the same thing here where like the ghosts are kind of aware that, that, that the other, you know, the humans can see them. Um, but they're also, uh, you know, unaware and they're saying like, you know, look at what she made me do. And they're, they're saying all these like humanistic things that make it even kind of, uh, you know, eerier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think they, they do stuff like that really well where it just, it, again, it's the feeling of being trapped, whether it's in a basement with a like satanic witch ghost or in a marriage or as a mother. <laughs> I mean, it's, it yeah. conjures plenty of stuff. Or, or trapped in, uh, as kind of like the Warrens, they're like trapped in doing their job, you know? Like they, as they constantly mention, like, this is what we were put, this is what, you know, God put us on the earth to do. And uh-huh. so we have to do this and we're going to well, do it together sort of thing. Trapped maybe as atheists, like maybe the were, were the Warrens like the religious ones and maybe the others weren't, like didn't have any crosses? Because I think uh, Wilson brings... No, they had crosses in their house. Oh, I remember well, didn't, there's a scene where the ghost knocks them all down. Or yeah, did but they didn't bring Ed, Ed and Lorraine, I think, brought a bunch of crosses over. So it's oh, kind okay. of like, okay. 
it's kind of like this weird undercurrent of like, oh, atheists, you know, are more susceptible to like all sorts of bad marriages and shit. Uh, and look at this perfect well, marriage of white I don't white get life. why you think their marriage is like, shown the whole time. Careful as, with the mic. God damn I don't know why you think their marriage is bad. They're shown the whole time to be like loving and they yeah, kind of love all their kids. Uh, I was curious about that too. Cause I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, like I, I thought that their marriage was like, we're a really cute couple. And like, she mentions how much that day where they're at the beach that her, their dad really loves them as kids. And it was really cute to see them. Yeah. yeah but I mean, I'm, I'm, but I, I'm saying from like her uh, internalized perspective, like that's the vibe that I got where it's a, it, like things aren't like sometimes as her. they appear, you know, her being reclusive, uh-huh. almost like depression. It's like, the, the I idea didn't of get not any wanting of to get out of bed. I don't know. May, I'm, either I'm reading either. into I, it, I but it's sure she seemed. Yeah, she was. Kind of just fine and like, I think like, that comes more from the haunting stuff because at the beginning she's super happy and. Playful. Yeah, but I mean, I think yeah. that's or that's in, the. In but I, even. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's the goal: is you take this uh, delicate, uh, like egg eggshell. And you walk it through the threshold of this thing. And that's when the cracks start appearing where maybe things aren't, you know, um, she's being like, they're not only questioning their own, uh, like they're questioning, okay, God exists now. Uh, Demons exist now. What the fuck? Like there's even a conversation between the dad and um, Ed about it where it's just like, well, you know, if they don't, then it's just, it's, it's really, I think just about, um, not knowing shit at all, you know. It's I a think really, I, don't know. I think that's a much more interesting movie than the actual movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. Like, like that sounds Jason, like I a, like this a lot. <laughs> it, it reminds me more of Polanski than what is actually on screen. It kind of okay. reminds me of me trying back in the day to shoehorn politics into every Michael Bay movie because I was getting so bored. Uh-huh. Like, there's like there a, has to be more here. There has to be something when yeah. you just hit that threshold. Yeah, Bumblebee um, drinks unleaded. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I really appreciate your close reading, Jason. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I just, I just didn't see it myself. I don't think it's like supported the, by the, the text. I'm, I'm embarrassed, yeah. but I, I seriously wrote eight pages of notes uh, for this movie. Hey, There's please. a lot of interesting shit. Um, so anyway, um, for the next five hours, this extended <laughs> yeah. podcast of I intentionally took no notes so it would be shorter. I was like, I'm just going <laughs> to <Sorry>. screen it <laughs> right before the episode. That way, hopefully, we can burn through it in the hour. Well, let's let's cruise, dude. Let's do yeah, some cruising. I mean, we can- I wanted to, we can maybe get back on track. I wanted to also mention, I don't know if you guys thought this was kind of a, a spooky scene, but uh, that that scene where um, you're kind of introduced to Rory, but not you don't really see him, but like the little kid, mm-hmm. the, the daughter's talking about her new friend, and then she tries to play the, the hide and clap game with her mom. Um, and that whole scene where she's in that bedroom with that cabinet and the cabinet door slowly open. You're like, oh, spooky ghost. And she's mm-hmm. like, I hear you. Give me the clap. And then you see these like dark hands that you can barely see come out of the uh, the cabinet and, you know, clap. clap. Yeah. And she, and she like goes for it. And I'm like, I, I had that 
that cliche <laughs> thing in my head just go like, oh shit, don't you go there. Don't mm-hmm. you go. Not the cabinet, man. Oh, fuck. Um, that, I thought that was, that was it's pretty also, cool. I like that's it. also one of the better. It, it, it's, I love it when the audience knows more than the character, but in a way that feels not contrived. Like, that scene is so well executed. Like, of course, Vera Farmiga would think that. And just... uh, Did you guys both crash? Can you hear me? No, I can hear you. I can hear you. Oh, no. We're just staring at you. Okay. Yeah, I'm just staring, literally not moving. <laughs> I'm like... Both? I thought you were like, saying Staring at your mouth. Dude, yeah, I saw Jason. I was like... Uh. <laughs> I started drooling. Sorry. Hold yeah. on. Okay, I totally lost what I was saying. Fuck it, it doesn't matter. Say something about the cabinet monster. But like, (laughs) the Narnia. There was the Narnia moment. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Tumnus is in. Well, I was gonna say, like, I felt like the that's such a good impression that started off the movie because it's not scary, like overtly scary. It's kind of like teasing, and it's kind of like leading her astray. It's tricking her into thinking that. Uh, it's one of her 80 kids and by doing so leads her on the path. Well, it also shows the different uh, forces in the house because that's Rory. That's the more playful one. Yeah. But I don't want to hiding place. Yeah. That was uh, the cool thing about uh, insidious was like, I don't want to know. I thought that would be cool. What if Rory was like putting, you know, demonic whoopee cushions under your chair? Like, I don't, I don't want to know if he's like a playful guy or like, yeah. Anyways, back to that scene. Like I'm a Colkin. I'm trying to think of other times where like, Macaulay. (sighs) Nothing's coming. Okay, we'll stop. Yeah, you guys threw off my whole train of thought. It's gone forever. For uh, Tony no, Culkin's no, career. Hold on. The, um, the armoire. Yeah. yeah. It, it, um, oh, your mic. Your, your uh, mic. Oh, you're, cut. you're killing it. Lost <laughs> it. Gone. Gop, get, God. Now you're just doing it. Per- Can you hear me now? Um, there we oh, go. It's, it's, it's going in and out. It's still going in and out. Nope, now we got you. Now we got you, baby. Uh, I fucking hate recording remotely. Can you Don't hear me, ground control? All right, moving on. Did you hear the Man ghost of games. David Bowie this year? What? Oh, that wasn't you? That's true, your mouth didn't move. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, do you want to kind of go through the bullet points of the plot, or do you want to just like talk about more kind of items that occurred in the movie? Because it's... Well, in this in this case, I think we can keep going because also it's for the plot. Maybe we don't have to follow. I mean, the movie yeah, like we, we don't have, have to go like past, like because it's pretty straightforward. Like she the got a strudel, got what? gas, haunted, phantom oh, yes, ass. Yes, God, that is another thing. All the ghosts apparently smell like rotten meat. Yeah, yeah. Um, like that's an indicator. It's that there's the ghost there. And that's, you know, when, when the mom finally gets possessed and like takes the kids from the hotel and drives away the kid, one of the kids just offhandedly you hear is like, she's smelling rotten meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's how they know. Cause like yeah, the dad's exactly. like, she smells like rotten meat. No, but then she's just crop dusting the whole house. She's doing like a bunch of, she's an SB demon. <laughs> God damn. Silent but, oh, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, silent but is, dead. Well, 
Is that yeah. something? <laughs> because as the kid mentions, man, I hope to be a, in a classic corny line. He, he, he said, "It wants my family, Dad." Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, there could have been better choices of words, but okay, I I can't write a movie worth shit. So, well, it goes it goes yeah. in and out because, like, it's it takes place in the in the seventies. Uh, and so yeah. already we're okay. We're in a period movie. Like we're supposed to know that the technology that all the characters have are from the seventies and everything. Mm-hmm. And we're following, um, I think we're introduced to Annabelle first. Who's the doll. Yeah. I guess ding again for the bingo card, uh, for James Wan is another doll, another movie. And the Same inception shit. of Annabelle too, mm-hmm. which, later which would a start. Real and... Is it like the conjuring universe with like the, nun it's the conjuring and... universe. Yeah. They've yeah. got, Three Annabelle movies, Jesus. two no, two Conjuring movies, one Nun movie, and I could have yeah. sworn the Curse of La Llorona was one. Uh, I think yeah, that's part of like the Nun verse as well, like the I within th- the Conjuring verse. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure on that. Let me. Well, I I think that it, it clearly was meant to be a franchise because of the the script was originally called um, yeah, it's the Warren it's... Files. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, no, it wasn't. It was originally called The Conjuring. Then when James Wan came on, he changed the name to The Warren Files. And then they decided to go back to the original name. Yeah. Because the original version of the script, as we talked about earlier, was more of a conventional Amityville horror uh, type deal, which I believe is actually the same book as the source material for both. Uh, Or the same case. In quotations, sure. uh, because the Warrens did do the Amityville house in this mm-hmm. era. Um, I think it'd be a cooler name, the Warren Files. Yeah. Although it might steer people away thinking it's like a... Um, a, a Dinesh like D'Souza sort of a... movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But... <laughs> yeah, like some sort of uh, legal film or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, The Conjuring... Well, where does The Conjuring even... I'm fucking tangent. The Conjuring, I think, is... Like, what does that have to do with Possession? The witch who... Because it's... That's a good point. The name of this She's... movie is fucking dumb. No, but I, <laughs> yeah. but what are they I think conjuring? It's, Nothing. I think it's, it's what... There. No, but I think Conjuring is such a good... Going back to my fart um, analysis, it's when you <laughs> eat... Funny I just okay, farted. so when you eat things, mm-hmm. you have to digest them. And sometimes... Um, no, but I think it's but... it's literally... I mean, going back to Jaws, it's it's what you conjure that's more frightening. It's maybe what you don't see in your marriage that's frightening. It's maybe that you don't even think about God, but, oh, you need God in this, like, crisis, it, you, like, it conjures something out of you. I think it's, but it's, the, the, the conjuration the, is the magical act of bringing something from nothing, which never happens in this movie. Like, yeah, but I think that right away, uh, she wakes up with, like, bruises <laughs> and stuff that the, the, you know, it's already feeding off of them. It's conjuring up these feelings that maybe she has in herself because she's really the conduit just like Annabelle in the beginning, the soft opening or whatever, uh, yeah. you know, it's kind of like she is kind of the conduit. Um, you know, it, it's like she's manifesting, she's um, you know, she's conjuring these emotions to kill your children. You know, she's conjuring those almost like a spell. She's putting you in a spell that you're, 
you know, by the end of the movie, she's possessed. I think the conjuring. But I mean, if we're going into schools of magic, that's all more destruction than conjuring. Like, there's maybe some alteration in there, but like, this movie should be called the alteration or the destruction, not the the conjuring. The altering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The destructing. That's more accurate to what happens. Yeah. Like shit gets destroyed. It should be called um, bullshit. That, I think would have been a good one. But, um, <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's kind of Indiana Jonesy. Sounds like a sequel to Phantom Thread. Yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome too. You know, anyway, <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Alterations are done. Anyway, no spoilers. They, they I still Lewis, haven't seen like, it. Okay. No, I never mind. But it's, okay. it's about a guy. It's about a guy who makes clothes or whatever. I know he designer. eats mushrooms at some point. Are, I think that it's, might be how the movie ends. The the, the uh, uh, hot hot take, but I think that's my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson. Like it went, every time I watch it, I love it more. Like even the soundtrack is it. it's just beautiful. Like one of those working like I haven't liked any of his art. movies from this decade. That's so. Wild. Oh. Inherent I, Vice was my like second favorite. I'm not yeah, an Inherent like, Vice fan. Oh, uh, that movie cracked me up. I okay, just, can you disconnect this call, Evan? Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. just kidding. And Pago, like the master you're is conjuring the, up some. Yeah, the master <laughs> is more masturbatory than anything. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, but that's the. What I love that movie though. It's masturbatory well, like, because it's 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 definitely it's the character that it's based on well masturbates but the literally this idea of the you know of somebody like l ron hubbard is mm-hmm. incredibly masturbatory of a human being so it just fits for me it's like i guess maybe masturbatory on his side but i think it's because of the subject matter that he's pulling off have i told you guys my tarantino rule uh it might also apply to paul thomas anderson Every Wait, time I see you have to uh, use the N word like eight times in the script or something. Or... Oh yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the second Tarantino rule. Oh, okay. Sorry. First person Continue. to do it has to be white. The first one, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first time I see one of his movies in the theater, I almost universally am disappointed or hate it because his track record is so strong that I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, but then I rewatch it and I realize it's just him doing something new. And I find that I actually really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson movies of the 2010s, I did not like, but I also don't rewatch Paul Thomas Anderson. Like I do Quentin Tarantino, at least not the master or inherent vice. I feel like if I mm-hmm. rewatched them, I might appreciate them for what they are. Um, yeah, that's how so, I feel about the master. It's it's just like a character study. Like all of the performances, there's so much about it that's beautiful mm-hmm. and like so well acted and executed. Like I appreciate that, but when it comes to like likability of characters or like enjoyment of watching, it's not like Boogie Nights where like oh there's some high moments and low super low moments of Boogie Nights. But I was also I love... ridiculously hungover when I saw the master. I was like. 22 the night before i had a party in my apartment that went till like two or three in the morning mito accidentally pepper sprayed a bunch of people oh um, yeah I, I was there that's the accident. one time i've been pepper sprayed was at your party yeah um, and so seeing that the next day it was just like trying not to puke the whole time i was watching it so it was not the ideal experience that for... sounds kind of fun though <laughs> almost like you're drinking jet fuel 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I was living the walking life. Walking um, in his right. footsteps. Walking, walking the line. Yes. Um, I'll walk in the line. Well, it's it's strange because, uh, like, the... So, it, I really like little tiny moments. Like, I do dig that it's set in the 70s because of, like, the color palette and, like, the mm-hmm. costumes. Like, it feels really kind of, like, real or lived in, including um vermargiga or vermiga's um her like neck like what are the like her collars her ruffled collars and stuff oh yeah 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 like everything's so interesting looking and and even like the design of the house you just like paco said like it's established early on so that you kind of know the placement of where everything is that's where the basement is that's where you know the the kids room is that's where the staircase is you know it's 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 really fascinating but it's a lot of his influences come out, um, including like I feel like the, um, you know, the urgency of the title card when it does say The Conjuring is kind of like a an old like paperback novel or it's a like a yeah. It reminded me of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Kind of has a similar opening where it's just like there's a little bit of like a um, you know like a crawl of of uh, you know writing. And then it immediately gets into something and it's, it's like the, the, it just is an immediate onslaught of the title. And there, there's so yeah. many just great movies that do that, um, that I feel like he was paying homage to, to that. And, you know, Indiana Jones with Ark of the Covenant, Covenant, um, as like their little museum in their house, which well, that was kind of crazy of like, are you good parents if you keep all this weird haunted, strange shit yeah. and in yeah. your house I thought that with was like seriously get a fucking storage unit was that not weird <laughs> yeah 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 and they're like dude. hey you can't be in here i don't want you to be in here it's like it's a child they'll find a way in because mm-hmm. of curiosity we like, have this really cool doll in here you can't play with yeah. and we're gonna lock the it in here fucking haunted doll. we've got we're the cool. monkey from monkey shines yeah you, um, you like monkey yeah. shines <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of like this, uh, like thinking of the Warren files or whatever, like uh, the Chronicles, it, it feels like it's it's trying to be like too much of a franchise of like, oh, there, some shit went down. We got to go in there and spread, you know, God's name. And we got to tell the Catholic Church, you know, request that they do an exorcism here. And oh, my God, it's too, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've got to do it ourselves and it's not authorized by the church. Holy shit. I love you. I'm, you know, this is why we're together. This is why our love is so strong. We've got to protect these, these Satanists. I don't know <laughs> because I like both actors. So I, I don't know that it's Patrick on them. Wilson and Barry Fumiga? Yeah. As much as it's on the script, but no, the script totally. It's like, cause it's the painful. It's, it's just it's so painful bad. to watch. There's no and, chemistry. They're like they're just annoying, both of them. Like because what's his secret power? He's not a medium, so he's just like Lorraine. What? Yeah, how are you feeling? Everyone, he's he just does. reacting to her the entire time in this. It's just boring. I totally lost right. track of what he was. All, all he's the just characters the dude. Like the yeah. couples in the movie look the exact same. All their children. All look the kids exact look mm-hmm. the exact same. At least Bathsheba looks interesting and looks different from the other. Yeah. And at least there was the cop and like the assistant, so there were a couple other people. Which was like in City oh, yeah. Two, right? Where they mm-hmm. introduced two characters kind of later, and one it's like, is like the younger yeah, guy. One's a scientist, one's a muscle. It's almost the exact same structure, like in terms yeah, of the filmmaking. Like 
Yeah, it's like the people who wrote the screenplay for this were huge fans of Insidious. Were like, can we just do this again? With a different family? That's that's how I feel like, like he remade Insidious, like put it in a different package and put a different story to it, but was basically like, oh, now that I know how to do that, I'm going to take the training wheels off and have a huge budget to do this big, you know, studio. But it's, I would argue it's less effective because it's mm-hmm. far more yeah, generic. It it's but, way more generic. Um, yeah, I don't know. Which is, I think, like, why... Like, because... I'm just going to say, I like this movie. I thought it was like interesting or like it was fun enough that I continued watching. It wasn't like at some point going, God, there's like an hour left of this. What the fuck? Mm. But it is definitely so generic. That's where I think that part of my brain was like, well, I'll just keep watching because this is fun. While Insidious was more like, huh? And then I'd look and be like, oh, wow, there's only 30 minutes left. Like, whoa, I kind of want to see more of this because there was more interesting characterization and style with insidious like i keep comparing mm-hmm. insidious to this one but as as when it comes to his ghost stories like it's just you you obviously see that his budget was raised by you know 19 point or should i say 18.5 million dollars to make this and this movie is just so much more hollywood than insidious was like insidious was him and Winnell making their story while the conjuring seems like a script that somebody was like hey we know a good haunting like spooky ghost story director mm-hmm. that could make this movie that these guys just kind of shout out why don't we um hire james Wan to do this one and he did and he makes it his own and he makes it interesting enough but it's still like it's it's i as much as i liked it i just saw all the hollywoodness within it it was like of course this one this is where i kind of go towards like why insidious was maybe poorly rated compared to this movie like this movie almost is like 86 percent of rotten tomatoes but i think it's that my brain just immediately goes towards like yeah because the people who are rating this on rotten tomatoes are obviously like people who are oh okay i'm this is absolutely generalizing but it's to say that ratings are kind of garbage because sometimes the things that get the better ratings are the more hollywood and like easily accessible films like I mean, that depends if we're talking insidious. audience or critic. I feel like yeah, critic, like critic wise, definitely well, yeah. go more towards the less. Yeah, accessible I usually film. trust the audience like reviews over the critics. Well, I mean, reviews. I think this was like a huge wide release at the time, which was the first one, yeah. you know, for, uh, for like a, an R rated horror movie in quite a while. So is like, the contrary R rated? Well, that's yes, the it thing. Is. It's I, I read an article that was pretty interesting where it was talking about like the why it's rated r and there's no sex there's no graphic violence or blood or anything they it's don't even say thematic fuck. content it's basically it's just no. because it's so scary that it's rated r and that's, that's i think dumb. how they yeah, sold right. the movie though too wouldn't you want to you know that's like man of war the, the metal band uh oh we're gonna make you deaf if you go to our metal show and by uh-huh. the way you know guitarist is a pedophile convicted you know, uh, enjoy fuck. your metal music Dude, Dude, why you gotta ruin Manowar? Manowar is ruined well, for me because because they have like it's three. it's the guy that looks like a horse who's tall, thin, sweet. He looks like a pedophile. Oh, which really? I mean, but, not like, to generalize, how, but how they kind of all do. How young are we talking? Because Jimmy Page was fucking like fourteen year olds. I'm. Uh, I think he had like he had like seven. pictures, like the whole shebang. Like, but are he, we talking just, like uh... teenagers? <laughs> which is still fucked up. 
but like I think we're talking about kids. I think we're talking pre-adolescent kids. Um, And I mean, you're like if you're on a band, if you're in a band for thirty years and you're with these people like too much, and you're all wearing leather underwear and shit, and they don't know that you're this fucking pederast, then you know, fuck them. So I I kind of don't listen to them anymore, as painful as it is, because their music's so misogynistically shitty and a weird circular cool way yeah like pleasure slave is such a despicable song but that's what makes it a great metal song because it's it's awful well it has a great riff but then you listen to the lyrics and you're like jesus christ oh it's it's sexy it's like being lashed with a tongue i mean if i was to problematic metal there would be no metal left well it's just like mayhem oh i love mayhem they're all uh you know alleged uh you know neo-nazis and stuff yeah look at here carl logan is uh jailed for child pornography yeah yeah that's why you know my my r kelly tapes you know will still be great you can't ruin a classic i'm kind of surprised (laughs) as a society canceled blood zeppelin yet because i just rediscovered the jimmy page thing and it is pretty fucked up like it was yeah. a consensual relationship but it was a with a 14 year old so yeah well, well there you go that's 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 the uh that's the flip is it's you know not consensual if they're well, it's kind of like the seinfeld thing where like he's on like an nbc sitcom like huge hit show dating a 16 year old and mm-hmm. everyone's just like 17 cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, I was that you jerry what's the deal with i mean 17 is one year different than 60 yeah. i think like, it's close enough he's, <laughs> he's like being arraigned in court and he's like what's the deal i mean consent right i think jimmy page though it's, it's actually it. something where like the parents his lawyer it was kind of like a weird like 1800s marriage where the parents approved and she went and lived with him for a few years uh which is the Englishman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking British people. I will say uh, we don't have any British listeners yet, but we do have listeners in Dublin now. Yeah. Fuck yeah. We're huge soccer fans. Well, no, I just I just love my Dublin people cuz you're Dublin. My family's yeah, you're Irish. Although we've talked well maybe we've talked no we've talked a lot of shit about irish people on this show well i feel like you can talk shit i don't think we have i can talk shit about the irish jason can talk shit about scottish and russian i do have a little bit of irish but not that i'm comfortable with uh you know giving him sass about yeah yeah you could talk shit about jackie mason but who would do that he's a (laughs) national treasure i get all the jews though i think so anyone you know i can give mel brooks a hard time yeah, as long yeah. as we have people in long. Vietnam too. Fuck yeah. Well, like less than one percent, but whatever. Um, to tie this sort of up, that whole that whole third act of the crazy possession scene, mm. where I think Lily Taylor, oh as god, she's an so actor, good, fucking kills it. Yeah, like her yeah. screaming, her like writhing, it's really convincing. She's not her. It's yeah. I'm sorry, what, Parker? She's the MVP of the movie. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. It. Yeah, I mean, okay. she she transforms before your eyes and she's skewering into the house looking for her child to kill because that's really the curse is that this witch has cursed all of these mothers who lived on their cursed land to either kill their 
children or kill and kill themselves and all that stuff. So she's being possessed to enact this same cycle and pattern, you know, like you see with, you know, domestic, you know, uh, violence and, and modern marriages, uh, especially when they're truck, you know, driver and they move You're into a really uh, trying to make that. I, I went, this is I, some really Walter subject. And, shit, and, know, like and domestic, um, there's phantom, and, there's phantom. You know, that, that's not illegal. He's a know. gas tr- truck. He's a gassy man, but, um, but he picked up a gas drive a truck. He drives like it in like phone call he gets about roofing. Yeah. No, but it, it, I thought it was it, like he was, uh, it's about the, uh, route to florida and he's like that's half my usual oh. rate but yeah. like he'll be gone for a week and when he comes back he is driving a rig but but like you i i think the, Man, the that's one of the most exciting parts in the movie because it's upping the stakes by like oh there's a real person it's not like this ghost i mean she's possessed but it's you know it's like a physical Man. person that's her mom and there's this yeah. kid, you know, being chased by her mom and whatever it is looks exactly like her mom. Like I was thinking at the end of the movie, like, would you ever like hug your mom again if she like no. was possessed was and then the tried to kill thing. you with scissors? And like it, it really is so psychologically like just outrageous and scary. Um, but in also paying off like what you said, uh, you know, the Jaws, the going back to Jaws, the beach scene of them having a good time on the beach and all this stuff. It, it it to bring that back as a good memory to like pump back into her uh was yeah, very to, to exercise like, the demon yeah it was it just kind of sweet her children because she mentions earlier when she's talking about that photo with lorraine that like that was one of the happiest moments in her life and how much she loves her children mm-hmm. and it sets it up as like she is an incredibly protective mother and she loves her children she would never do this if it unless she was possessed and not herself well, I mean, that's. Oh, like, you guys I, want to hear my pitch for this movie? Yeah, it, conjure it. It's more or less <laughs> the same, but without all of the bullshit with the uh, Warrens before they. Yeah. Are you could have removed them. all of them. Yeah, you can remove all that, and you spend that time building the relationship between the mom yeah. and the kids. Because other than the hide and clap scene with, uh, is that April? What? Whoever the youngest daughter is. Yes. Yes. Um, she doesn't have many scenes where she's with her kids, like build that emotional world yeah. so that when she's trying to kill them, we care. Like, yeah. Cause I, cause I, I was like, why April again? Yeah. Like, like, why is she trying to kill the two youngest build that world? Like establish that she's more protective of them. Like they need more help. Do something. Lose like 10 yeah. of the kids too. Cause again, yes. like, why would I care? <laughs> like, like 60 of them. I don't know anyone's names in this movie whatsoever. You know. Yeah, why did they have to have so many kids? But I mean, that and was also, the other the, the story of the Bathsheba and everything. I felt it was kind of garbled. So by the end, I also wasn't quite clear on why this demon that's possessing her is making her kill her kid. I'm like, is it because she did it, or like, what's the whole story behind like the killing of the children? Like, like why is that necessary for the demon? Shit. Uh, or something it's hey it's the moses uh what you killed the firstborn or whatever it's a sacrifice to uh you know Bathsheba i'm who... looking up like Bathsheba, like the biblical um character who was uh solomon's mother became the queen mother in the bible and like whether she had some sort of like connection to killing her children or something and there's nothing there and i'm like why hmm. the name Bathsheba? 
other than it sounding like a cool badass demon name. Mm-hmm. It would be cool on a t-shirt too. It it makes me think of that um, actually a cool metal band. Yeah, dude, oh, that's a really dude. Bathsheba. It's just it's yeah. it's a blue oyster cult, just like Bathsheba. And Fistful of Snatch, that's another great thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, For a few Snatches more. <laughs> the good, the bad, the Snatch. <laughs> Once upon a time in the Snatch. <laughs> no, but uh, I guess to bring it home, um, do you guys believe in ghosts now? Snatch, you sucker. <laughs> uh, no. I think that's part of why I these movies always leave me cold is yeah. because yeah. Uh, I don't believe in ghosts and yeah like there's not the visceral fear you get with other kinds of horror movies if you don't have some faith uh, like yeah. yeah it's not as scary as does. yeah it's not as scary as even like a slasher movie or a thriller um it's not particularly effective when you, unless you're doing something new and unique with it. Like part of mm. why Insidious worked for me is that otherworldly nature to it and yeah. going into the further. But convincing, it has nothing to do with God and like heaven and hell. Yeah. Like, cause in this case, it's like, these are as the end of the movie gives a quote by Ed, what's his face? Um, Ed Warren being like, God is real. God and the devil are real. Mm-hmm. Like there are evil mm-hmm. forces. Blah blah blah. I'm like that's having grown up like Christian and falling straight out of that after a while. Um, Morningstar. It's it's <laughs> yes, baby. But uh, it's it's even less convincing to me. I'm like, okay, that's what are you trying to say about mm-hmm. demons? Well, in Insidious, at least there's a, this cool idea of it's like. Oh, it's this otherworldly space where that nobody else really knows about except for those who are in who have seen it or have like been there or like Elaine, whatever, Elise, who are like, you know, understand that realm. Like it's completely um, you know, it's fictional. Mm-hmm. And it's convincingly fictional in that sense. But when you try to bring God and the devil and shit like that into it, it makes it even more just kind of I don't know, unconvincing to me. I don't I know. I agree. It's, uh, I think what it does for me is, uh, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief when there's aliens or zombies or vampires or shit, but when you have characters start talking like Trump voters, uh, uh, <laughs> that's when I'm just like, oh, these people are full of shit and none of this matters. Like, yeah. Well, especially like they yeah, act kind of like a part of Tim Burton's Willie or Charlie in the Chocolate Factory kind of mm-hmm. where they're not like normal and they're kind of cheeky in this evangelical weird way where it's not like the exorcist where you have the in, in you know, the exorcist um, where you don't uh, Friedkin's movie where you don't have uh, or you do have a priest in like scenes and they're doing these intense scenes and you don't feel like it's being kind of um inauthentic or that it's it just feels scary in a an authentic way i don't know it feels real yeah um, i wouldn't want to hear it's with a kid either well that's very true it's, <laughs> yeah i mean uh, there's flies every, that's another fart movie too um but uh it's just like it's um they're they're kind of these weird candy um pastels <clears throat> in this bleak world 
and it's thinking of them as these figures that you know protect you know these vulnerable emotional spiritual people um Mm. versus being kind of these shells of who they were and and even like in the movie it's just kind of the story is about them and it's not about the family and it's like why should i care about the kid when now oh your own kid's in danger at the end of the movie now i don't care about this family anymore that we've built up i I feel like you had two separate movies and one movie was my depressed uh shitty uh sad movie and the other one was a ghost movie like uh, you're basically doing rosemary's baby and then what this movie actually is yeah, well, <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. I I'm gonna give myself a little uh you know high five uh clap just, clap just clap. Don't follow uh, Polanski's other habits going back. To yeah, that. dude, I never ever it's hold on. Can you cut this, Evan? Never ever refer to me as stinking uh, <laughs> Polanski. Um, or there's gonna be, you know, it's it's fucking you guys it's Chinatown. The uh, Jesus rolls. What? The Jesus Rolls. Did you guys see Oh, that? no, I don't think I'm ever going to watch that. It seems what, like... What, oh, is that the sequel to Big Lebowski or whatever? With yeah. Or to tr- you mean what? Jesus Rolls? <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Or, or is it like Jesus Rolls? Because hey. two L's uh, make a... No, it's the Jesus Rolls. But it yeah. looks fucking horrible. It and looks I, yeah, it's directed by John DeTuro, and it seems I, like it'd be... He's never been ah. in any bad movies like Michael Bay movies or anything that's not a Spike Lee movie or a you know, well, Coen Brother. Well, it's going to Mr. Deeds. It's a bad one. But, um, I don't know. To but tie seriously, this up, fellas, do you believe in God? I mean, do you... Not in ghosts, but in God. What would your guys's what would your final recommendation be? Like, would you, would you think this is a good place to kind of jump into James Wan's work, which I would imagine a lot of people did with this one. I mean, it's, it's, it was hugely successful with a third movie coming out next year by James Wan. Um, So it's like, do you, did you like it? Like, are you down to see the second Um, one? Number two, I would say, I would say watch Insidious over this movie, but you should start with Death Wish. Or um, death, yeah, death sentence. Death sentence. You should start there. Maybe okay. Maybe that's not a good place to start, but I feel like that should definitely be in the realm of like if you want to jump into James Wan's style and where mm-hmm. he sort of has been able to change the genre for the better, or at least you can see what he would like to do with it. Insidious is a better example of that. This is where like The Conjuring is like Insidious but turned Hollywood, and the yeah. death sentence is like taking a horror director and giving him an action fil- film which t- get, which takes a little more care with the characters or like who they are as opposed to like most action directors or somebody like Michael Bay for mm-hmm. example so that's you know that's a good place to start but I feel like you can skip Saw and I didn't see Dead Silence but it sounds like you can skip that uh, you sure can Ooh, there you go. Uh, yeah I wouldn't recommend this uh I think it's interesting because it left me so cold. It might be my least favorite of the films we've watched. Wow, that's so interesting. Like, what was average horror fan? I've I've seen it before. I wouldn't recommend it to y'all. I've seen it before, and every time it just really leaves me cold. Well, what Uh, was the the, what was the thing like? If you could dredge up like one thing that you just thought was the worst, that was like, okay, this flips it to me not having a good time. Like, what what do you think it would be? I think it's just 
it's well directed, but the script isn't there. There's no real characters to build emotional attachments to. And with that, there's just a very conventional, like it feels like the shitty haunted house movies of the late aughts, like Mm -hmm. dead silence and saw at least have something that feels like it couldn't have been made by someone else. This feels a lot less like an auteurist film. And it feels like what Juan's later career, I hope doesn't turn into, which is just a sort of voiceless gun for hire. See, yeah, I to do better with sequels though, because he's there. Outlaw. There's just nothing but sequels next. We so. have, yeah, and we will see how those goes. Uh, yeah, I know for one that Aquaman is a very unique vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but Jason, I. I'm curious to know your opinion on this because it seems like there is a part of you, correct me if I'm wrong, that is in defense of this movie and I'd just like to know what your thoughts on this. Would you recommend this? What did you think of all this? Um, in comparison to his other films too. I, I just think, uh, you know, I I enjoyed it more the first time I saw it like a long time ago when it came out. And after Insidious, like there was so much that I really enjoyed about insidious. It's not that insidious is like the best movie ever made, but there's so much interesting stuff about it. And Mm -hmm. this one has a lot of interesting things. And I definitely see it as a huge leap forward in terms of like career. Uh, But, but when, in terms of like him being an an artist, uh, it's interesting to study the pedigree of films that he's made to this point and seeing how he's changed and how he's adapted to different things and seeing him with a bigger budget here almost made him more comfortable and confident in a way that's kind of not as interesting to me as having one and a half million dollars and, you know, having to use some, some different tools than, you know, computer generated glass and, you know, like, um, I don't know. It just like there was something kind of hollow about this one. And so like I I like it in terms of like it's a cool period movie that's kind of like a dumb haunted house spooky movie. Mm-hmm. But it's it's disposable popcorn Warner Brothers entertainment. You know, it's it's a franchise, but it's a universe. So it doesn't hit me as much as like, you know, another uh, ghost movie that, you know, house so yeah absolutely though it it just (laughs) i wish it were but i I don't know if that makes sense like i kind of like a personal impact and when all the characters are disjointed in the way that they are and there's clearly two separate movies that couldn't be jammed together in a way that's you know works or sustainable it was Mm -hmm. kind of just distracting to me from the perspective of like oh i I just, I have something in my teeth that I got to floss out, but it's in my eyes and it's Vera Mar- Varmiga. Mm-hmm. Who I normally really like. Like, I lo- yeah, like she's, she's wonderful. She's that, in good movies too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just her character or she was like doing a dry she's humor. Yeah. She was no. just doing deadpan. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that context That's of like, come on, we were meant to be together. God wanted us to be together. Come she, on. Yeah. Deliver a Even you're doing it more convincingly right now. <laughs> she, she has a line about witches, and she's like, oh yeah, they always kill their kids, or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, the fact that she's able to deliver that in a convincing yeah. way 
made yeah. me laugh because I was like, how the fuck does she deliver that line? <laughs> yeah. um, Did you yeah. guys think that Patrick Wilson maybe um, turned it up a little bit for this movie? For some reason, I felt like he wasn't as dead weight like as he was in the other ones. I feel like he had a little bit more here. What did you guys think? I don't know. I feel like an insidious that uh, he's his character is more of a dead weight character. Um, And he does a good job in both, but he never blows me out of the water in either. No. And this one, I think he steps it up just a little bit. Maybe that's because his character is a little more exciting. Mm -hmm. Even if he is like, who the fuck is this guy? If his, you know, if Lorraine's the one who's the clairvoyant, he's just some dude who, is like, all right, I'm going to try exorcism for the first time. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just kind of in the sidecar, you know? Like, his whole... But I... Sorry, in the opening thread, it says that he's the only non-ordained person uh, allowed by the Catholic priest to do exorcisms. So yeah. if um... in the opening fucking thread, it shouldn't be a big deal at the end of the movie when he does one. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I mean, it's just, it's, but that's, that took me out of it too, where I was like, okay, what's Lorraine's arc? Okay, cool. He gets to do an exorcism. But the, the idea that the movies are so similar and share the same lead or co-lead was mm-hmm. confusing because I just was thinking of Insidious and forgetting that he was like, there was too many things in common, even like clocks and, and random items and random setups that were so similar that I just kept getting confused. So he, he kind of distracted me, especially because he was so muted. He was in, he was like a side action figure where it would have been more interesting. Well, not just like that Lorraine's interesting, but like he served no real purpose other than at the end with the exorcism thing, you know, she could have, I don't know. It just was strange. He's kind of, there as a comfort character. Like I kind of feel like they, they pushed it a little much. Like even the mom mentions in that one morning where everybody wakes up and they're all like, I haven't seen the kids this way in a long time. They feel safer with you here. And I'm like, why with him there? Like Lorraine's the one doing all the heavy lifting. Like, I mean, why would, why are they making the guy the one that they would feel comfortable well, around? I, I think because he's, he spends most of the movie supporting her, like a good supportive partner like he's really rooting her on and, and accommodating her of like, oh, are you are you feeling well, okay, honey? Like, let's to, get you. He's trying to keep her out of it. He wants. Yeah, to, he's being a little too protective. Uh, yeah, he wants to try to shoulder all the weight himself, and so I think like his only and real she's like no, <laughs> his only real attribute that we know of is courage. Like, so he's just yeah. a brave guy who goes around fighting ghosts, which is not who the real person was at all. Um, but, you know, whatever. Keep myth-making monsters, Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, God brought us together for a reason. And I'll never leave your side. All right. Bad boys for life. We should wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Next time, it's uh, Insidious 2. <laughs> I'm going to be Crazy. so confused next episode. Just throwing, yeah, just throwing the it out there. Again? <laughs> it's like I think I just watched The Conjuring again. What what week are we in? Oh man, yeah. And wait, Insidious two came out the same year as The Conjuring. Yeah, yeah. It came out in September, wow, okay. and uh, Conjuring came out in like July. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Another Spielberg shit. I swear to God. I think yeah. didn't Spielberg do like Jurassic Park and Schindler's List the same year? And you're like, 
great. Yeah, he was working on. <laughs> cool. He's had a few that have come out. He's had a few years where two have come out. Like, uh, I feel like Saving Private Ryan and another film both came out the same year. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's Catch Me If You Can and Minority Report. Were those That's two? Two thousand two. I think he did two in ninety six. I think it was Amistad in another movie as well. The uh, color purple. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as much as I talk shit about the color purple, Danny Glover and Whoopi in that movie are I mean, crazy yeah. good. But it's it just the cast. it's just it's it's complex because the Alice Walker book is great too. But it's a complex movie from a Spielbergian uh, filmmaker. Yeah. yeah, he was trying. In... Purple it's Rain though movie. is amazing. Yeah, he did Amistad and Jurassic Park two, both in ninety seven. Oh. Gosh, you could have shot those back to back, like you know, at the island uh, in the beginning of the Lost World. He's just you know going onto a ship to shoot Amistad. <laughs> he also, if I remember correctly, the Adventures of Tintin and Warhorse came out in the oh. same month. Oh god, uh, I feel bad doing for that month. At the... <laughs> I've actually never seen the Adventures of Tintin, and I hear that's it's an entertaining enough movie. But wait, it... isn't that Peter Jackson? No. Uh... That's Gilbert. Oh. Jackson might have yeah, produced it. Yeah, I think he yeah, maybe produced that was it. it. He wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, God. Talk about the fucking horrible end to a career that Spielberg's had the last 10 years. <sighs> Munich, you know, you can't have Munich every movie, you know? I remember <laughs> liking Munich, but that might be his last good one, and that was 15 well, years ago. That's what I think, too. Like, that was the last one I really loved. Uh, yeah. I think I'd, I'd be more conflicted about that movie now. Yeah. Uh, um, with totally. My understanding of the politics, but, yeah. I'd feel the same way about Hook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, Hook, man. Also, Jason, uh, I'm assuming the episode's done. Uh, I saw. Uh, no, can we have a real wrap up so <laughs> we don't just yeah. all sudden peter out to nothingness? I thought we did the wrap up. We were like, we'll do Insidious. We did. Next we didn't say goodbye. We said Insidious two next time. All right. Okay, Paco, you gotta fucking say goodbye, baby. All right. You gotta say goodbye, gotta baby. Say goodbye, gotta, baby. Okay. Please we love you guys. Rate, review, or subscribe. And all that. I'm so sorry uh, it was a little loosey-goosey tonight, but uh, I hope you had fun. Because uh, I know one out of three of us did. <laughs> see, see you next week.